0: Yeah. So I actually, up until my early thirties was a complete disaster. Um, I finally got a new accountant, a friend of mine from university, his dad owned a large law firm in Vancouver, sorry, accounting firm in Vancouver. And he sat me down and treated me like one of his four sons and just leaned into me
1: yeah.
0: and you know what I was doing and how it's all wrong. And he got me straightened out what I needed to do. he gave me a five-year plan to get out of my debt. I did it in under three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I so happened to be in a position where things got better at work. Yeah. But when you have financial debt, you are not good at work. Because yeah. your whole mind is so depressed on your debt yes. and how to get out of it. You're making too many mistakes. You're thinking so much about money first and you're, you're making the wrong decisions. If you're thinking about money all the time, you make poor decisions.
2: Welcome. Super excited about bringing Corey Bartram to the leaders of tomorrow. Corey is the Vice President of Operations of Student Works West, our sister company. Um, and uh, Corey's been with the organization eighteen years, and we really tracked really the development of Student Works West, you know, and the founder and um, really the value creator, the big value creator out there, Andrew Brittnell, and his impact uh, on the business. um we we talked about, so many lessons and about how we work together and uh how he's worked with uh um other people and it's it really is an amazing story of success. Shares a, a real um I think you know personal and vulnerable story of him not doing it well financially, him not making the right decisions financially and how he turned that around a number of years ago and is really, really in an amazing shape uh financially. So I know you're going to love this podcast. You know what we're up to is is if you know somebody who is interested in being a powerful leader, interested in really stepping forward in their lives, please send them our way to studentworks.com. Send me an email at thompson at studentworks.com or share our podcast. Thanks so much. Have a fantastic day and enjoy this podcast. So Corey, I am so excited about having you on the podcast. So welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow.
0: Thanks, Chris. Big fan. I'm super excited to be here.
2: Yeah, no, it's really it's really awesome. And uh, I know we were talking a little bit before the podcast. You were sharing some stuff and I go, no, no, no. We're going to discover this full time, just, just, you know, full time with our leaders. You know, hey, I want to know more about Corey. And, and just so everyone knows, Corey and I are really great friends. We work together. We've learned so much from each other and we've learned so much from the West. And they've learned a bunch from us as well. And, and we just we just work back and forth. And it's, it's kind of funny, this, this conversation is really kind of a, a weirdness. Like you wouldn't normally do this with a friend to start, you know, asking them questions and asking them questions. But that's what's going to happen here. It's going to be awesome. So describe who Get you it. were before joining the Student Works uh, program, you know, back in high school, first year university.
0: If I give you one word, mm-hmm. I'll give you lost. Um, I was a hard worker. I worked hard at everything I did, but there was zero direction. And I laugh. I can't believe I just said it because this is what my father said in my wedding speech. Uh, and he said that Dan Cripps gave me direction, um, or student works painting essentially gave me direction. I, I knew I liked business. Uh, I I came from more of a blue, more of a blue collar family than anything, a mill kid. And I think as I went through school and stuff, I realized business was for me and always looking at different ways to make money. Right. And, and getting out, you know, I, I, my kid, my buddies are playing sports. I'm throwing newspapers on driveways, Okay. you know, uh, they, after school, they'd go you know, home and either stay together, or go play sports or, or video games back in the old Nintendo 64. I went and worked an hour and a half, two hours at a hardware store, funny enough, tinting paint. Um, <laughs> and, and then Pittsburgh paint out of all things. Yeah. And, and then, then coming home and studying and stuff, I filled up my days but I didn't know where I wanted to go. And I think mm. I saw a lot of that when I went to university, changing my degree. Um, I spent a few extra years at university. I, I had fun. So <laughs> so I took a little extra, a little longer than most people. And for a lot of time, I, I was a rudderless ship. And for those that know me very well, I'm a big boater, big ocean guy. And so to be on a boat and have zero direction of where I was going, I, I think that would sum up exactly what it was before StudentWorks came in. And in fact, uh, when I first heard of Student Works, StudentWorks, I, I, I laughed at a friend and said, scam. And then I went and taught sailing that summer, had the best summer of my life. I mean, again, anyone who knows me, a summer on a boat every day, all day for seven days a week, I was in heaven. I didn't make any money. When I got out of the summer, I go, what am I doing? What experiences am I gaining? Mm-hmm. I, I have nothing to show for it. And I realized what I needed was an outside of the box activity, outside of my comfort zone. As an extroverted guy, I couldn't get in front of people and speak more than five, six minutes. I was too nervous, too scared. And I knew I, that wasn't the person I wanted to be. And, and I needed something. And to be quite honest, I still didn't even take the plunge into student works. They had to reach out to me to actually get there. So definitely a lost, lost soul for sure.
2: Okay. So that's great. So you, so you, you ended up, you know, sort of quote unquote thinking the worst, Oh, it's some type of scam, right? So thinking the worst about, about sort of a, a business opportunity. And then, so how'd it go for your friend? who is involved? How did, how did that experience go?
0: So that's the funny thing. I take it at first and going, okay, like this was a, a an awesome young woman, but she was going to become, and she is today a nutritionist. So it, it didn't make any sense to me why somebody in nutrition is going to go into this business. And she heard about it from a friend who is a nutrition. And, right. and this girl, uh, the year before, the first ever StudentWorks West Mexico trip in, in 02. um she, this girl was one of the six people to make Mexico. Okay. So, you know, th- this string of like, it, it didn't make sense. It wasn't business. She kind of explained some things. And like a first year being signed up on a contract and not going through training yet, they can't sell it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they not trained to sell it. They can't explain it the best. Right. And, and so for me, it sounded awful. And throughout the course of summer, we talked a bit and, um, and she was doing well. She's like, ah, oh, I'm making so much money. Yeah. But she would tell me all these horror stories along the way. And I think that's actually what caught me a bit was like, it wasn't just going to be easy, but she all of a sudden gets to the end of the, the summer and we're going back to school and she's like, you know, super relaxed, pockets full of cash. And she's like, yeah, I'm taking off from Mexico in two weeks. I'm like, what? Why are you going to Mexico? It's like their school. She's like, yeah, but they're paying for it. And I'm like, really? I was like, you're going to Mexico and keep in mind, like my mom's from Italy. So the only country outside of Canada and the US i S I'd ever been to at this point in my life was Italy. Right. Never been anywhere else. And so I'm like, you get to go to Mexico and she comes back. And this is the thing that kills me the most. She goes, yeah, they just gave me a check for like $6,400. I'm like, what do you mean they just gave you a check for $6,400? She goes, I forgot there's this thing called a royalty kickback. And I'm like, what? I'm like, this just doesn't sound right. But, you know, it, it was a girl who worked hard. I didn't hear from her as much as normal in the summer because how hard she was working. And she gained experience. So she had done incredibly well, you know, was one of those people who made the Mexico trip. right? And uh, someone who was on the two Mexico trips with you when we used to go together yes. as well. Yeah. We did it for a number of years. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, and there would actually be, there was actually an example. And it's not like, just as an aside, we, um the West Coast, some of our other, businesses who spun off of us years ago had Mexico trips. And I, I, I was like, ah, I don't, I, I'm not really all that excited about doing a Mexico trip, you know, cost, but mostly it was quality of life. It's like, gosh, I really, a young family didn't really want to be away. But then all of a sudden Andrew started doing it. Uh, Andrew Brittnell, uh, who was running student works at the time. and And then the business just started to rock and averages started to grow and grow and grow. So those first two years, you know, we saw what was happening. We said, okay, enough of that. We started, we jumped on the bandwagon in the, in the first two trips that we did, we did with Student Works West in Puerto Vallarta. And that, that was the first time I met Corey. And it was, it was, it was amazing. And, uh, and again, just, just a, a great example of learning from one another that we, that we continue to do. So why don't we, why don't we talk about, uh, I know most, mo- a lot of times we, most of our the people who we have on our podcast who have done this amazing program and then go do things outside the program. And they, they, they talk about what their career path was like. So, but, but really for, for you, this is your career path and you're now vice president of and have been for nine years. So why don't we just talk about what were your, what were your years as as an operator? What, you know, what was your, what was your growth? How how did that go along, Corey?
0: Yeah. So I did it for two summers, uh, which I, you know, I was an older student, so sometimes I wish I had found this earlier. Um, but other times I go, could I have done this at 18? I mean, I was 23 when I first got this thing going. So ah, okay. I don't have preseasons like normal students do. I went to school 1,000 kilometers away from my area. I'd had to take a plane, a car, and a boat to get to my hometown. So, uh, first estimates was Easter weekend, book six grand. And that's what I came home with. You know, right. that's what I had. I was Dan's last franchisee to get started middle of may in production and i had to play catch up um i did well in those days uh, a little over eighty thousand, which put me fifth for for rookies and i know some of the franchisees laugh at this but like we had one rookie do over 100 grand she did 115 it was a record To do 100 grand was the biggest deal in the world. The averages were about 48,000 at this point. And it was huge. So, my next year's goal, like, I got to be a big boy. I got to do 100 grand. Like, I'm going to get there. And my friend who was doing it was coming back for 30, and her goal is to do 100 too. So, the race was who could do 100 first. At this point, though, she's closer to her area. She had changed areas from, again, similar to me, very north end of the coastline. Uh, She had to take two boats <laughs> to get to her area. And uh, so she decided now she's at UBC to do it in Vancouver. So she had a preseason. I didn't, I came home for Easter weekend, my second year, I booked 15 K and that was it. Uh right. went five for five and came home and I booked a hundred grand in May. Wow. Um. And and like my first year, no days off in May and June. I just went for it. I put everything I had into it. I, I wasn't motivated uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can't, you can't rely on motivation. You know, right. you have to have a passion desire, and an angle and you got to do whatever it takes to get that angle, whether you like it or not, you got to get there, you know, ethically, of course, of course. you got to yeah. do it. Yeah. And I, I really just, I flew into that. And, and as the summer pressed on, I, I realized my organization and everything I had done had led to a point where, and I hate saying this, I hope no rookies ever listened to this, but you know, huh. it was my second year. I didn't work a lot in July and August. Yeah. I got to set up my business. Now, keep in mind, I made less money. They should have, but I was Dan's number two guy. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be his number one. He had a guy named Richard Harvey, who you may remember. Yes,
2: I remember Richard hundreds Whistler. Hundreds
0: and hundreds of thousands. Yeah, Whistler. He's doing three hundred grand when the average kid's doing forty eight. So, and uh, but I need to be Dan's number two, and, and I did it, and and I was able to get there. So I had a growth. I went from eighty two to about one hundred thirty seven thousand dollars into my second year. Uh, I was again fifth for vets and sixth overall. There was one insane rookie who you know changed the way we thought and yeah. went out and did one sixty yeah, um or one fifty something like that. and um and I was proud. I, you know, I got there and and I did it in a way I wanted to do it. I raced sailboats a lot that summer. so I raced very competitively last that summer, um and I had a very good balance of work and life and and I really enjoyed that. And one of the things you know you talked about going to Mexico and having a family and all that, that last night of Mexico, my second year, I was sad. I wasn't com- coming back to student works and all my friends were yeah. and I was so sad. I'd never go on a Mexico trip again. Now when I go and you know, I'm known for hiding in my room and, you know, FaceTiming my wife and son and, and, <laughs> you know, I'm sad to be away from my family. So it's a little bit different now. And, uh, but yeah, there was a big growth and I foresaw myself potentially maybe running a painting business in the future, you know, okay. or something like that. I could see myself now. I knew I ran a business and something Andrew Britton said to me that stuck. If you fail at everything you do in your life, at least you know you can fall back on painting. At least you have something you're going to be good at, and all of a sudden, I think I felt direction from being an operator.
2: Yeah, well, no, I think Andrew's really correct in that. Uh, um, you know, just about, and, and we we've had a lot of a lot of our past successes have 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 all have felt that, and and what I mean by that is they started business with the knowledge. Well, worst case, I can go start a business really quickly and make a bunch of money and make sure you know again. I can rebuild quickly or I can feed my family or, you know, and just, 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 just reboot. And, and so a lot of people don't think that, you know, it's like, you know, drop me anywhere in the world, as long as they speak English and I can go establish a business really quickly and make money really quickly. And that's why, why, because I've got this, this skill around painting contracting. And, and so I can totally I can totally see that, but you know, one of the things that that I thought would be great is is I just I just love Andrew so much, and and why don't you just you know maybe reflect on who Andrew was as a leader and Andrew Andrew just so everyone knows Andrew Andrew came through. He he joined the business a year it was my second year. He painted on one of my jobs, and I remember Rob Linder, uh, who's a great guy. Shout out Rob. We did this big, big school, private school in Toronto, and and he 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 had Andrew painting, and he goes, I don't think this Andrew guy's very good, and 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 I just went like it was like after five days of having Andrew on this, I go, Rob. He's amazing. <laughs> he's such a hard worker. He's so committed. He's so focused. He goes, is he? I go, oh yeah, no, no, he's he's what you want. And, and so Andrew came on and, you know, was really exceptional, really strong operator and then a DM. And then he came and expanded out to Western Canada. So tell me about, you know, reflections about Andrew.
0: Yeah, well, actually funny. He said that he originally, when he applied for painter, he applied for college pro first. Oh, really? And they, they, they didn't hire him. Ah. And then that's how he ended up. Yeah, going on with Stewarts. He said, yeah, he painted for two years, franchise two years. Uh, he told us a funny story about almost getting a helmet, almost firing him on the first day of training because he was a little lack on sleep from the evening before.
2: <laughs> Having a little too much fun at a, at, at, at a Western party. Uh,
1: yes, yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I got the gist that, you know, Western is a, a very a well-education school but a very fun school and, and yes. I wish I went there. No, you know, my interaction with Andrew, it was funny. I heard a lot about him through, and as I signed into doing student works, I realized there was a guy on my university hockey team I played with that was doing it. He had painted for two years. There's a guy on our basketball team that was doing it. Another buddy of mine uh, was doing it, and they all kept talking Andrew Britton and Dan Cripps and these guys, and I was so excited to meet Andrew on the first day of training, and I'm thinking in my head, what do I say? What do I do? I gotta, I gotta go out. I gotta break out of my shell. Like, you can't be that little guy inside just waiting for people to come to you. And I hear people going, oh, my DMC or my DM Linda. And I'm like, hi, huh, I wonder who my DM is. So, hey, Mr. Britton, nice to meet you. You know, I'm the new franchisee on the Sunshine Coast. Who's my DM? And he was just finishing shaking my hand. And so he kind of held a little stronger and he leaned in and he's like, you don't know who your DM is? I was like, no, not a clue. And he, re- he leans over. He says in front of everyone, he goes, hey, Dan, this idiot doesn't know you're his DM. And I'm like, oh, my God, what have I done? And you know, Andrew, right? Oh, yeah. Straightforward. <laughs> and, and, you know, he had a good laugh. I, I think. And picked on me in the first questions. I'm
2: sure he was making fun of Dan uh, by, by doing that. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dan exactly. got ripped on big
0: time. And Dan yeah. still to this day, because you don't listen, um, <laughs> you know, bugs me about it. But, uh, you know, we connected, uh, again, I didn't really get to see him until we got to Mexico. And I, I just remember we lined up against the East West versus East boat race. Okay. And I was like, I can chug a beer. I'm in. And Andrew's our anchor. Cause as you know, he went to Western. So he's a, um, you know, professional beer, professional chugger. beer chugger. Yeah. And uh, so I'm before him and he pats me on the shoulder. And he goes, you better drink fast, kid. And I go, oh, my God, this guy is intense and relentless in everything he does. He's so passionate. I wonder why he's so successful. And as I became a district manager, uh, we really connected. I, you know, it was growing um, and uh, connected with him on that. We, we played hockey together. There was a lot of life lessons that I think he went through that I also was going through in life and, and some, you know, um, poor choices and stuff that he really helped me connect with and gave me his examples. He was never afraid to tell me what he had done wrong first you know how he learned how he grew and 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 he gave me that passion uh for business and wanting to do it he was hard on me he he was like any coach i ever had in hockey growing up you know he wanted the best out of me he wasn't going to put up for anything else if you read my pi you got to be hard on me anyways you got to give it to me straight up and we connected really well in that sense uh he did become a second father figure to me Mm -hmm. so you know I have a great father, so yeah, I don't want to take no, away no, from that. Of He's an awesome guy, but my dad, more blue-collar in management, but Andrew was that business side of it yeah. and 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 really approached that side. So, you know, our connection is lifelong. Um, as he passed away, it was really hard for me to see him go and leave the business. Yeah, But I also saw what he wanted to do with the business, and his legacy was to be able to walk away and kids are lining up to sign contracts, to get ready for areas, which we see that happening, you know, in places like BC and Saskatchewan already. Yeah. And that to have this legacy that the business is bigger than him, you know, did we take a hit when we lost him? Of course we did. For sure. But did we outgrow it because of the lessons he taught us? Yeah. And we've grown that business because of him. And, and, you know, he was very fortunate to have Dan there. I don't know yeah. if this business would exist if we didn't have Dan, we yeah. would have. And he prepared for that too. He did. And he was really, really good about preparing. I mean, Andrew had everything locked down in systems and was really, really good. I mean, he had alarms for everything. And I used to watch some of the ways he'd grab his credit card bill and go through and highlight everything, make sure every receipt matched up. There was no issues. And then what receipts went to Kim, you know, for, for invoicing, what was personal, how he did his finances. And he was always willing not, not to just help me in business, but everything in life. He was always willing to prepare me. And I drove him nuts. I was terrible with, with money. I was terrible with all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But he never judged me for it. But he understood why I did those things and, and let me grow within it. But he was always there to help me out through everything. So, I mean, I had a very big connection that I don't think many other GMs got to have because a, I lived in a city. We had a lot of friends in common. We were in the Qantas Club of Vancouver together. We played hockey together. And I got to build into that relationship with him and Dan uh, very closely. So, you know, huge impact on me. I'm kind of shaking a bit because I, you know, I miss him. I'm yeah. um, having him around, but at the same time, I'm proud. I wish he would come back one day and <laughs> see what we've done with his baby. Because the difference between us and say something like College Pro that was publicly traded is there's a family that has their love and blood, sweat and tears in this. And his wife has continued that, being our owner, yeah. and letting us run that. Because she knows we have the best interest for her and her family in it. And now having her son, and Andrew's son, uh, being a franchisee this year, I think is, is oh, uh, exciting. For me, it's such a massive thing, right? So and, and he's had some great success so far. So we're really proud of him. Oh,
2: that's fantastic. Well, that well I'll, um, I'm gonna be paying attention. You know, Andrew. Andrew's made such an enormous impact on me uh, and my business, and as a result, my family. And again, the same thing. You know, we're a family business, uh, and and it's it's personal. You know, by the way, business is personal. Don't you know? I, I, you know, sometimes people, yeah. oh, it's not personal. No, it's personal. Absolutely, it's personal. It's always personal. And and the one thing about Andrew is is everything mattered for Andrew. And I just mean that in the best of ways is, is everything mattered. Like he had your back. He was a fierce friend, you know, you know, and fiercely yeah. committed to his people, fiercely committed to his family. And um, yeah, no, just, just, uh, uh, just a, just a great, great guy. So, so I wanted, I wanted to spend a little time on Andrew and, and just, just, he's, he's just so wonderful.
0: Yeah. You know, there was always one thing I overheard him say about me. We were in Mexico once and it's always stuck. Um, I was in a state of, I call it uh, uh, Ch- Corey's chapter of stupidity, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know partying really hard, and you know didn't have the best DM numbers, wasn't fully into it, and you know I'm in Mexico probably acting like a complete goof, and someone says, "Why do you keep that guy?" Right. And he says, "Because he's really, I do I won't swear, really effing good, and I know he's gonna find it one day." And I remember that was my TSN turning point in life. I overheard him say it as kind of he didn't know it was there, she didn't know I was there, and I heard him say it, and I walked away from that conversation, and I thought to myself. He has my back, even yeah. at my most weakest stupid moments. This guy has my back. And that empowered me to be better. And every time I do something silly, I go, What would Andrew say right now? Yeah. You know, what would Andrew do? You know, and and the way he was with his family. And this was a guy who got up probably too early than he should have. And when I would get up at six, I had 20 emails from him, but he did it so he could walk his kids to school. And and to show how much of an impact he had, I bought my house. Oh, two blocks away from his wife's house. I want my kids to go to the same elementary school as kids went to. I'm going to walk my kids to school just like him. Awesome. I'm going to do that same path he did it. And he had a way of how he purchased cars or if he bought something fancy where he was in life. And I just wish he could come back and go, Andrew, look at my bank account. Look at my investments. Look at all the properties I own now. You know, and, and I, I bought a fancy car, but... I, I paid cash. I didn't get a stupid loan. I did it right. You know, <laughs> um, I, 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 you know, I was doing things properly and, you know, we shared a love for boating. And so, you know, I want to be like, Hey, remember those awesome boats? we loved? I have one now, you know, I want to do that. And, and so he did make that massive impact where, yeah. and, and I see it with you. I, I, I always love that your title in your business is head coach. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not, I'm not here to coach you in your business. I'm here to coach you in everything that you need. What do you need from me? I'm here for you. Your business is a part of it, but I'm here to listen and, and do what it takes. So that's the, that's a legacy he left for us here. And, and I think we ran pretty well with it. And and it's somebody that, uh, you know, we speak very highly of.
2: Yeah. Well, and you guys are, you guys are living his legacy. That's really what it is. You guys are, you know, making his legacy real in the world and, and, you know, uh, he's big fans of yours and you're big fans of his, and that's how really great things work. Right. It, it, and again, it's personal. It matters, you know? So I know one thing that matters to you is district managing, you know, so in developing district managers, how was Corey as a district manager? How was Corey? I know you spent, uh, according to LinkedIn, seven years as a district manager. How was that experience?
0: Yeah, it sucked. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I look back and I use so many examples of what not to do with my guys and, and the DMs are like, you, know, you keep telling me these stories and you say they're yours. Like, did you ever do anything good? And like, I, I don't know. I'm sure I did. They kept me around for something, but you know, I had, I, I was a piece. Uh, I was like Alberta. I was boom or bust. I either had a good year or a bad year. I, 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 I was all over the map. Right. But, you know, I, I didn't fully invest myself into that and any district manager listening guys get involved in this be a part of it make it part of your life and have a goal for how long you're going to be here every year I sign back going, well I sign back for one more year and next year I go into real estate or next year I go work for this company or that company or take this job offer and I had job offers but you know there was actually a friend of, of Andrew's name's Reed McGrew and, and he's uh, head of London Life Financial or Canada Life Financial whatever they changed to now for BC and and Reed said Corey I'll just give you one piece of advice stick with Andrew and he kept saying that and I kept signing back but I just wasn't invested into it yet. I just didn't have that passion. I hated change and just stick to the systems. And yeah. that's all I preached and I never showed properly. And I did fluff stuff. I yeah. did a ton of estimates, but I wasn't teaching anyone estimates. So I was the DM with the most estimates, but what did I teach him? Nothing. Right. Okay. And, and my sales weren't the best. And here's a guy with an 80% booking percentage. Yes, I should have charged one had a 60% booking yeah. percentage, but you know, I, I wasn't learning that. And I, I, there were some TSN turning points for me. Um, as Andrew moved away and and we're so fortunate to have Dan and Dan moved up into that role. Dan came to me and asked me to be VP and he had choices right. and he asked me and he said, look, Andrew said, if I ask you, you're probably going to leave in a year. And I get that, but I think this will be a better role for you. I think you will like it. And that was a big TSN turning point because yeah. all of a sudden they showed, look, dude, we know you're better than what you're doing. Yeah. You can do this. And so for those first three years, it was a slow role as I was VP. It was a slow roll into it. Dan still had his hand in there. I was still working with like 20 plus people, 24 people, but my averages were going up and I was helping DMs and I was getting better, but I learned a lot. I made a lot of mistakes. I burned a lot of bridges being um, uh, very direct. Uh, I think I've heard the term. I think I've heard the term. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of just say, so get that, get that out of my way. I'm going straight through. Yeah. You know, so I, I was learning a lot and I had people along the way that made an impact for me. So Dame Cripps obviously being a major one then a, a guy named Paul Ballou. We just had your summit where Brian Scudamore was there. So Paul now works for Brian and yeah. within Shack Shine as a general manager. And, and Paul became a DM after being a franchisee of mine for five years. And, and he just said, guys, we got to go bigger on our numbers. Enough's enough with the way we're doing things. We got to go big. And he proved it to us. And mm. coming back into his last year's DMing. And also, I guess I should bring up his, his beautiful wife, Erin, Josephie, who set our record. Mm. Uh, awesome chick runs. was just 30, uh, top 30 under 30 in BC this year for her business kids. Amazing. They basically came and said, we want to come back next year, guys, but you need to unghetto this business. You know, we need proper marketing material. We need company clothing. We need all this stuff. And they opened my eyes to change. And the impact on our business was huge. So that was like a big thing for me. And so I started to realize the impact of DMing, the impact of the constant change. And learning how to grow people, it just wasn't all business business. Mm-hmm. You had to realize everything about them and care so much about them and learn about them, become their friends and you'll get so much out of them. So I think I, I had a good progression as a DM. Mm-hmm. And I, as I became VP, I was able to take that into coaching more into that. Um, but I think also having Jordan.
2: So first of all, um, one of the things, uh, you know, first of all, you know, one of the things about you, core I just get is, is that, is that, you know, you've been a guy on the move, growing, developing, and I just love how you share. You know, you share, and it. it's about this person, it's about this person, it's about this person. I just love that. I just wanted to comment, and and it's 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 it it really is for our leaders listening. That's something that great leaders have in common. You know, it's about them, it's about them, and uh, but the one thing I wanted to point out as well is, and and the same thing happened in 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 our business in the East is, is the reality is. I'm just not very good at marketing. I literally have such not an interest in things. Like, you know, you'll you'll notice that this office looks fantastic, Corey, but that's because my wife and she and my partner, and it's she's fun. just she's an interior designer. And anything that looks great, it's because uh, you know, she buys it and she's she's in charge of purchasing and 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 in charge of all sorts of things. And and marketing's one of those. And and that that, you know, having her come into the business. And then listening to a group of amazing past DMs like Fraser Lachance, who's running a who's who's really senior in a business over in England, and Zach, Zach Lefebvre, whose business charge lab just got got, just got funded for $2.3 million in early financing. But these guys who who basically came in and said, no, here's what we need, and here's what we need. And then, and then again, for me, it was like, it's not like I would have resisted before. I just wouldn't have seen it. And then yeah. it's like having people, and again, being receptive. Of course, is really important. And then, okay, how do we move forward with again the branding of our firm? Because one of the things about branding is branding literally can get in the way. Bad branding can get in the way of how people see your business. And and I remember one of my one of my good friends, Derek Lackey, who used to run the Pioneer account and Canon account, American Express account in Canada as a marketing uh, guy. And and Derek Derek said, you know that my marketing material was standing in how people saw their, saw my business and, and, and that got shifted. So, so, you know, maybe speak to that and ha- what, what you guys did to change and Dan did, etc.
0: So, you know, it's actually funny when it talks to the marketing material and some of the changes we made was having more of it mm-hmm. at a simple time. What we really had was a door hanger and a lawn sign, Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, there's things like I still, to this day, we have, you know, our phone number and a lawn sign, which I think is ridiculous. No one's going to remember a phone number, put your just one website that's all you need clean nice neat But right. cleaning things up too wordy too much of this other stuff so we started to develop things uh cold call cards we started to get into social media online marketing digital marketing and and started to branch out into some of those different fields we also started to pick up on more training so i started to realize like hey you know as a district manager i look up to dan and andrew and they're training me and that's great and it's awesome you know i have two mentors like that are awesome but I needed more education than that. So started to read books awesome. and started to open my eyes. Because that's the other thing, is just getting your eyes open. People would come to me with a, a dumb idea or what I perceived to be a dumb idea, I should say. I, I would never be open to changing. I would shut it down right away. I, as we called it, firehose it yes. immediately, right? Without actually putting a thought process into it. And as I read books, a lot of the things I realized as, as a district manager was open your mind, open things up. You're right. in this awesome business where And I looked at some of the smaller student businesses, and Jordan and I talked about this the other day. We feel terrible for them because we have, in painting, 140 franchisees out west. We have 140 mines working. We have seven district managers, two VPs, and a president. Mines are constantly working around this business. Utilize it. Yeah. Use it. You know, if I'm in a small business and there's me and I got 10, 20 people, that's it. Those are the only information. Those are the only minds working on it. And I was so locked down when people came in and said, oh, we should do this or do that. It's like, no, stick to the systems. They work. We already know it works. Just blah, blah, blah. So I think for me, as a growth period in a district manager, was expanding my mind of what the possibilities are and starting to come up with these crazy long-term goals. We heard Brian talk about that with, uh, you know, shine, shack, shack. Yeah. Uh, which is hilarious and now all of a sudden that's becoming a reality and and for us there is all these dreams and goals of like not going on campus and mm-hmm. doing clipboarding yeah. you know not begging and pleading with people to sign contracts and and instead being able to have People want to come in those doors and really doing it. And, and we've grown into having these big goals we never thought we'd get to are developing and are coming there because of opening our mind, looking at different things and taking a risk. And I think that was one of my biggest things as a franchisee. I took this big risk to become a franchisee. And then I became risk adverse after like, I, I just did, I wanted to be against it. I just didn't uh-huh. want to take it anymore. I didn't want to reach outside of my comfort zone anymore. This is what I knew was to be true. Yep. This is what works. Let's do it and as a district manager my later years going into a vp i think i really realized the ability to open your mind and be open to lots of different ideas plans be flexible in how you do things with still a rigid structure be organized you know but be willing to take that risk and be willing to fail and that is my biggest lesson i'll give to any dm be willing to fail yeah. and own it yeah. say it's your fault don't yeah. worry about it you know i had a kid come to me and he wants to try this new thing about how he's going to you know approach getting Painters, but it's going to cost them a couple hundred bucks. I said, "All right, I'll try it with you one month, and I'll split it with you. It's out of my own pocket, right? But I'm willing to risk that money to see how it's going to, you know, proceed. And if that works, I'm going to spread it to everyone. If it doesn't, okay, I lost a couple bucks, but you know, what's a big deal? So I think that's one thing for me is that really lesson of opening up my eyes realizing that all these people we have here, whether they have experience or not, are minds that are working in this industry and we can grow so much from that. So as a DM, I was very closed Yeah, and I led into becoming very open-minded.
2: Well, that's awesome. That's brought up a few things for me to sort of share about. One of the things is just for our leaders, you know, checking out and and just being aware, do I have a fixed mindset? Because that's where Corey was saying he had a fixed mindset, had to be this way or a growth mindset. And again, I know, you know, one of the things I saw in in Andrew was he was way better at being, you know, really kind of both. It's like fixed. No, this is how we're doing it. We're not going to change it until we'll go look at it and then we'll change it. And so there's something to, again, we need the paradox of, you know, firm, this is what we're going to do this year. And then, okay, what can we do better next year? How can we, Mm -hmm. how can we change? So it's, we have to hold both those concepts because again, there's a powerful system that we can, we can point to. And one of the things you're really pointing to is one of the advantages about franchise models is they share this huge opportunity is, is, is have all these amazing franchisees or in our terms operators who can share Information and that's one of the big advantages why franchise models are so powerful. And when Corey's talking about Brian, I just want to make sure everyone understands Brian Scudamore. He was on a Leaders of Tomorrow Summit. Uh, You can go on to uh, my LinkedIn and get a uh, you know just listen to his talk. It was amazing. And he's written a book called Willing to Fail, and that's something Brian is able to do, and we're able to do, and we do all the time. And as a part of Willing to Fail, you move forward. And and the one other thing is 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 I know Dan, and maybe it was Britnell before then, but I know Dan for a long, long time said, you know, we want to be able to run a business where we don't need to go on campus. Mm -hmm. You know, and then this last year, we didn't need to go, we, sorry, we were not able to go on campus. And we both, our businesses, will both have our best year ever. No one ever could have thought that was true. And if you look across North America, other people doing what we do, that is not what's happening for them. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, and I'll be checking in with them. But but we just, and it's because we saw that's where we wanted to go, and we were working towards it. You now again, that not we didn't expect it would all of a sudden happen to us, <laughs> or happen for us immediately. Hey, yeah. there are no classes to go to, so the, you, there is no campus to talk to people. There is no campus to set up a net, networking event. It is over. So yeah, just incredible.
0: Scarcity creates innovation. Yes. You know, you turn off the oil pipelines today, you know, we're going to come out with the best electric cars because we're forced to, we have no mm. choice, Yeah, you know, but because we have all this oil and we don't have to turn it off. We're going to take our time getting to that point. And I think that's what we saw as a business like ours. And I've lost district managers is I just, I don't want to go on campus. I think it's a dying industry. Mm-hmm. And now they're all looking at going, Oh my God, you guys have crushed it. Like this is awesome. But we were forced into not going on campus. We were forced to doing other things and, and, and it worked and we prevailed. We had more franchise, more franchisees this year than we did last year when we were able to go on campus. And yeah. I think that that's such an important thing. But again, and my guys hear these two things out of me all the time, adapt or die. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Plain and simple. Adapt to die. Don't like it? Move out of my way. I'm moving on. Right? We got to mm-hmm. keep going. This business this is going to succeed. Um, and, and the other one being is you can have it easy or you can grow. You can learn, but you can't have both. You can't yeah. do it. Yeah. I used to be a man of having it easy. Okay. I, I want the most out of the least amount of work. Yeah. Now I'm a guy like I just constantly want to grow. I constantly want to challenge myself. Challenge the DMS. Challenge the franchisees. And that mindset is such a big difference in and us being able to adapt during these times, like the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. I feel bad for certain businesses that are having tough times. And I wonder if some of them are just direct because of the pandemic or were they not willing to adapt? Were they not willing to change? You know, and I have seen a few storefronts here shut down of some people I knew. And they say, well, the online business sucks. Why would I get into that? I'm like, you could have just moved to an online business and sold all of your materials instead of doing chapter 11, Mm -hmm. you know, what were you doing? Right. But they weren't willing to adapt. And I think that was such a big impact for our businesses going forward. Yeah. We've been, no, it's, and, and again, I think both of
2: our, both of our businesses though, Corey had raving and have raving fans in them. So it's, it's, it's like that you know, as as you were saying, Oh gee, you know, here, come and get this great opportunity. We had 85 referrals this year, like what 85 people sent to our business to come, come work with us. And that just speaks to just the, you know, how our operators look at us and say, this is their, they, they got our back. I'm learning so much. I'm growing so much. This is, this is going to make a difference for you. Come here. Just like, just again, you were referred into this program. I know you, you were going to talk about Jordan. So I'd love to talk about Jordan, your other VP and, and, uh, you know, development, yeah. uh, VP out in, uh, British Columbia.
0: I, I mean, I, I don't know what to say about him other than like, nobody dislikes Jordan and it pisses me off. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he is the type of guy that just everybody loves, but th- there's reason for it. Like my, my experience with Jordan. I'm actually the guy who hired him at Simon Fraser university. Remember we had this discussion. We already hired his dad's DJ company to do our annual boat cruise, you know, award ceremony every year. And, um, I still have the picture somewhere. It's great. He had a big fro, yeah. big hair and, you know, he's wearing his grad shirt and tie. Cause that's all the kids had back in those days was whatever they were to grad. And, uh, but he worked with a good friend of mine, Marco Pimentel. And for the first three years when Marco moved on, I inherited Jordan. And it was funny. If you look back to a first year relationship and look to it now, there's no way you'd guess we would have made it this far. Right. I was a hardcore go, go, go. Like you got to go. And Jordan was that more calm, sensitive guy and, and, and you know, heads butted big time. Um, I talked over Jordan all the time. I dictated the conversations. It, it was it was definitely Corey's fault in all this situation. But we we started to learn from each other. I, I think like I learned as I was trying to teach him how to run a bigger business and get out of the mindset of like, well, I lucked out this year. I got that job or this job. I was getting away from that. But I was learning so much from him on how to communicate with people and treat people and learn so much. And he has, I mean, he's got these great parents that he's learned from and these great brothers that they're just such a fun family. So they're fun people to be around. And he just takes that and then builds on passion. And so for me, I just saw Jordan, like he started to really love running this business. He wanted to become a DM. And, And he moved into that role and we soon realized Hey, he was able to get big numbers out of people and everyone loved him. Whereas before, you'd push people really hard and they'd get big numbers. And I used to always say, like, hate me now and love me in Mexico. Right. You you can hate me all summer because I'm going to push you. But when we get to Mexico, you love me. Jordan found a way to like love me now and love me in Mexico. And his numbers were higher and his profit was higher and his sales were higher and everything was just higher so an impact on on for me personally i mean he challenges me daily he pushes me he makes me want to be better without even knowing it or saying right. it you right. know he'll tell me stuff and i got off the phone and i'm like i just need to get moving this i could drink a cup of coffee like jordan's yeah. my caffeine and i <laughs> start running around doing stuff but i think the impact is what he did with franchisees and we knew the writing was on the wall that he had to be into a, a different role than being a dm with us right when we went to go see you guys so for the listeners, a few years ago, uh, Stu West did a DM retreat in Halifax. Shout out to Halifax. What an awesome community and city. It is. Um, we had tons of fun. I have a friend who owns a bar there called The Pint, and we absolutely love the rooftop patio. And afterwards, Dan and I came to meet with you guys. But because there was you and Helen and Pat, we thought, well, let's bring a third tune. We'll bring Jordan. Right. And, and that's, you know, at that moment, realizing there's got to be somewhere for him. Right. And having a second VP has opened up our business. I mean, we went from a $93,000 average in 2019 to $113,000 average in 2020. And, okay, we could say the pandemic helped because there's no college pro, right? We lost our main competition, so a bigger market. We had better franchisees and hungrier DMs. But having two VPs was that extra coaching and Jordan's time spending developing those DMs. So I I jump in on his Zoom calls with the DMs. He had an hour-long Zoom call on just on how to take good photos you know, what the franchisees should be wearing, what to look for, how the lighting, right. And if you look at some of them, uh, I had a DM in Manitoba post a great photo of a girl, right? She's got her two book jobs. She has no cash in hand, no deposit checks, nothing silly like that. Just the two book jobs, the proper clothing, name tag in front of her car with the car signs on lit, you know, it was professional top to bottom. And that's the coaching and training he does. He will spend hours upon hours teaching them how to just do initial calls. And it's not like, hey, we got to ask these questions and here's how to ask them. It's how to analyze the answers and what this information you're giving me can provide us in that sales practice, right? You know, we're expensive when it comes to pricing, yet our sales have never been better. You know, and it goes back to these amazing initial calls. And, you know, I'll throw a shout out to you guys, because, again, this is a part of communicating with you where we got to steal some of that information, borrow it,
1: we'll call it.
2: Rip off and duplicate. That's what we call RD. Rip (laughs) off and duplicate.
0: As Corey McKinnon, uh, an OVP of yours, said on Summit, too, right? We're helpmate, not self-made. I love that. And, you know, so Jordan's really spent that time developing our DMs. And now I got to go look at these seven full-time DMs and I'm just blown away with what they're doing and stuff. But again, it comes to Jordan being able to develop that, which gives me more freedom and time to spend with other, not only the DMs, but even their franchisees and being available and going out and doing estimates and getting them on the phone and coaching them. And and Jordan does it too. And, and he's, I mean, um, the big joke in our company is how many steps is a phone call with Jordan? So Jordan, Jordan paces when he's on the phone, he's always walking. Okay. So there'll be days where he does weekly calls and we'll have 25,000 steps on his watch. It's insane. (laughs) So, you know, uh, okay, I'm calling you on how to do initial calls. Okay. That's 10,000 step call. Okay. I'm going to call you, you know, on how to, you know, do a follow-up call. Okay. That's a 5,000 step phone call. And he's constant, but he spends that time. So I think for me, I get to sit back and watch a guy that you know who still calls me and asks me for advice, but mm-hmm. I call him and ask him for advice. And we're two polar opposites. I mean, right. he's got hair, I don't have hair. I play sports and he thinks everything's a field goal. He doesn't get it. But at the same and he's fully capable of playing sports, by the way. He just sure. doesn't have the passion I do. Yeah. But when it comes to it, we find the same passion for community, the same passion for business, the same passion for the love of the logo on our shirt. Mm-hmm. And if you see us. Outside of work, we're still wearing student works clothing. We're still wearing our branded stuff. And plus, his side business is what I shouldn't call it side business, but his other business, we both wear that branded clothing. I still do too. Right. All my clothing are business, company. Yeah. I have masks. Yeah, you know, everything, right? And we're just so passionate about it. But when push comes to shove, sometimes I'm that pit bull that Jordan needs. Yeah. And other times, uh, Jordan's the guy that says, hey, dude you need to take a step back and rethink what you're trying to say here. Right. So that works very well. So, you know, for me, Jordan is, um, again, like Dan, a TSN turning point for me in my career, someone that pushes me and gives me a love for what I do. I have never been happier in this business than when I have been working with Jordan. That's great. So, and, and to a point, I, I want to continue that with Dan Cripps as well, of course. But also John Morgan, uh, who you've had as a guest on his call before has been another guy with that impact but having somebody like him he's just got this passion and drive i'm pumped i know he recorded a podcast too i'm so pumped to listen to it yeah because i get excited now. yeah i loved him on the weekly call and shout out to those three guys um our two of our franchisees started a, a recent um podcast as well called the, the edge sorry the edge. guys i made a mistake awesome. um and uh jordan was on that right away and he's so good with stuff but jordan has this amazing ability to be a bull in a china shop and not upset anybody right he will come on a job say we have a video i might have actually sent this to you chris where it's pretty funny i saw it was awesome yeah Yeah. they were terrible you know painting and he goes guys this sucks get my way and he showed them how to do it properly but you know what those painters go off to be budgets now and he was able to do it without upsetting them and i've learned so much on how to treat and communicate with people from him because he's the kindest young man i've ever met but again comes from great parents right mm-hmm. it, it's it, it's how he was raised there, there's nature and there's nurture and and i think that there's always a combination of both and, and i think jordan's a perfect model for it so the only downside to jordan i no longer have jobs job security <laughs> that's right i'm done <laughs> it's over yeah, I got to start looking in the wanted pages.
2: <laughs> but, um, well, one of the things that I'm seeing, and I, I see it here as well, and is is that, again, it's it's as a team grows and you take on different people with different skill sets and mindsets and habits and ways of being. It's powerful. You know, you you can be the, you know, the sometimes the terror or the you know the fierce fierce person, and 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 he can be the softer, you know, good good cop bad cop or whatever. And it's not a strategy like that, but it's just who you're being, right? Who you're being, you know, and who he is naturally, and that 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 just makes a, a team stronger. You know, here's and here's, I think
0: here's we saw that for us was with Andrew and Dan. Yeah, you know, in Stuarts with and Andrew Britnell, more direct. Yes. Uh, Dan Cripps, uh, you know, the, the nicer, calmer version can come in and be that assistant coach and give you a pat on the back. Yeah. And and it's ironic. You know, Andrew is bald. I'm bald. Dan's <laughs> going great. Jordan's <laughs> going great. right? I mean, you know, it goes hand in hand here. They they kept their hair. We didn't. But, uh, you know, that's what makes this work. The yin and yang aspect. But the mutual respect is really, really big. Yeah. And uh, just before I got on the pod with you, you know, Jordan called me to ask me for an a net. Uh, questions and confirmation on a large estimate he was doing. Yeah, The guy yeah. knows how to do estimates, yeah. but he also knows that we can communicate so well. It's nice to have that second opinion. And right. I, I for sure definitely make sure to call him and ask for second opinions quite often. So
2: Yeah. So, you know, I know one of the other things that you've done while, you know, developing and really building success uh, with Student Works West is, you know, and I want all of our leaders to get this, it's not how much money you earn, because, you know, it's it's how much money you keep. And then also how much money, how much your the the money that you keep grows. And so, so, you know, why don't you talk about that and what you've done in your real estate business and real estate career?
0: So you know, I am the perfect example of what not to do and then how to get your life back on track. So okay. for anyone who's in a financial distress right now, whether you're in your twenties or even in your 30s, you can get out of it, but wake up. Mm. Okay, I had a whole ton of people around me giving me good advice, and I was head in the clouds. You know, I'm coming out of university, and this DM job popped up for me. And I'm gonna, you know, I told my mom I'm gonna get a high rise condo, I'm gonna get a million dollar mortgage, I'm gonna drive a Beamer. I, you know, I'm gonna have all these things. And so I started getting into these things. I didn't buy real estate, but I was renting, and you know, paying a stupid high car pay- payment. And I, I, I could make. Let's say I made a hundred, I'd spend a hundred funny. Wow. right I built up debt I got myself into a world of hurt and I'm okay talking about this because sure. I want people to feel comfortable I think there's uh you know people don't like speaking about money yes. you know and there's other topics too that, that can come up that I was like no I'm going to speak about this straightforward and we need to speak about money and and that might burn a few bridges if people don't like money but I feel that people that just don't make money or, or are in a bad spot don't want to talk about it yeah but those are the people that need to listen more yeah so I actually, up until my early thirties was a complete disaster. Um, I finally got a new accountant, a, a friend of mine from university, his dad owned a large law firm in Vancouver, or sorry, a, a accounting firm in Vancouver. And he sat me down and treated me like one of his four sons and just leaned into me
1: Yeah.
0: and you know what I was doing and how it's all wrong. And he got me straightened out what I needed to do me gave me a five-year plan to get out my debt i did it in under three years mm-hmm. um i so happened to be in a position where things got better at work yeah. but when you have financial debt you are not good at work because yeah. your whole mind is so depressed on your debt yes and how to get out of it you're making too many mistakes you're thinking so much about money first and you're you're making the wrong decisions if you're thinking about money all the time you make poor decisions yeah. and so when i got out of it at I started getting a freedom and I started getting a plan and a budget. And all of a sudden, my life changed. Now, another big impact on me was a meeting of my wife. So, you know, I'm in a crowd of 35,000 people waiting for Eminem to come out on stage in a field in Squamish, British Columbia. and And I run into this girl and, you know, nothing actually happened for quite some time afterwards. But a few months later, we meet up and, you know, we start connecting and and, you know, aside from her beauty and her, her blindness for thinking I was good looking or something, um, she was a finance major. And I'm awesome. like, oh, this is good. And we started discussing things. And she was set. Like, here's a girl who owned her apartment. And, you know, she had money, Says so I was saving and doing all this stuff. And so. So you were a liability, Corey. You were a liability. Yeah, so yes. we, actually, Chris, you'll you laugh at this. But <laughs> one of my best friends, uh, an old franchisee of mine, told Emily, he goes, you're going to like him. He's a great fixer-upper. And that has been the theme to our lives ever since. Corey is a great fixer-upper. And I tell you, Chris, I am a great fixer-upper. I've been fixed up so well in these past uh, nine years or so. Um, But as I started getting into it, we decided, okay, we got to start putting money aside. And we live, as you guys do in Toronto, in two of the top five most unaffordable cities in the world, which are funny because our real estate's in like 103rd and 105th. Uh, There's more expensive cities, but based on income, we're in most unaffordable cities and we got to get in this market. So we were able to, uh, you know, uh, build up our income. We invested a lot. We have a lot of different assets, so to speak, in investments. Um, We were able to purchase our first home in Vancouver. We're currently in the process of looking at purchasing another one, whether that be Vancouver, the Sunshine Coast, where I'm from, kind of our dream area of where we want to end up, or Whistler, of course, is probably our most direction. We got involved in an apartment building. We're currently building a 20-unit building in Edmonton um, at the U of A, which is we're really looking forward to that. Um, we actually were delayed a year because it's supposed to be a 14-unit. But uh, one of the main investors in our business here has realized there was a zoning change and we we're able to do less parking and add more units. Right. So that's a big plus to what we plan on doing. And we have a 10-year plan of of owning this and renting it out. So we do have apartments downtown that you know we have an apartment downtown that we we rent out and manage um and now we're you know we we sold a home in west Vancouver um and we're taking that money and kind of spreading that around quite a bit so we're we're looking at other investments similar to that one I actually have some um uh an old two old franchisees they are now a married couple in Regina and right. we've just recently been discussing doing some flip properties with them right. um you know us being their investor and them doing Doing the work um so there's a lot of different things that we get involved in that but I, what i recommend the first thing you need to do go get a financial planner and get somebody you trust mm-hmm. and if you don't have anybody you trust go find someone who's successful who has a good financial planner and they trust and we've been working with a long time and then go use that person and we bring that to our franchisees out west we actually have a guy that comes in speaks to all the vets about the money they made and go look if you guys don't have someone awesome you can use this guy yeah. you know richard's awesome uh, and shout out to Richard Bailey with, with Freedom 55 or London Life Financial. Awesome, awesome guy. And he's been really good at bringing in a lot of our guys. So what I did was I started buying up a lot of those um, assets. And a lot of those are insurances on you as well. Um, but again, we have a big, large insurance for our son. And as long as he doesn't use that by the time he's 18, he's going to have you know X amount of dollars to pay for his university and tuition. Right. We're doing another one that we're going to start with soon that would allow him to purchase his first condo when he gets out of university because of the expensive market that we live in right. and the way they're at. So we're really looking at long-term finances. Personally, we're both – my wife, So just so people understand this – um, a lot of our finances, as well as she's more or less, she won't consider herself a day trader, but that's what she does for a living. Right. Um, but she is more of an analytical trader, more right. than anything, than the ebbs and flows. No, she's not on GameStop or whatever. No, she's yeah. left that one alone. <laughs> um, she's a little bit more smart in design, but we do have a significant amount of money in the stock market, right. but we need to dilute that and, and diversify. And and I, 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 you know, sometimes I worry about land and and the ups and downs of BC. But I believe Corey McKinnon on on your the the Leaders of Tomorrow Summit really put it in my favors. Hey, in a time like this, in a pandemic, they're printing money like no tomorrow. So having cash is silly, you know. And and we actually are sitting on a little too much cash right now. So that's why we're back in the market of purchasing land because. God's not making any more land Yeah, and it's, it's, you know, get in and do that. So for us, I think, you know, my, my wife uh, actually had an interior design business with her sister that um, we did. She's moved on from that. You know, we looked at having different businesses together, right. but for me, and there's a big difference between me and Patrick and Jordan. Right. They are younger and they are hungrier than I am. Although I'm a super hungry young man right now. I'm 40. I have a wife. I have a two-year-old and I have another kid on the way. Right. Congratulations. For me, the balance. Thank you. Thank you. Um, We hope it's another. Okay. I hope it's another boy. My wife wants a girl, but we'll see. Um, But, you know, those, those guys can really balance doing that. And I admire them so much. But for me, really in business, I need to focus on student works and now the growth for us out west is ProWorks painting and that's another business that i'm really getting involved as well as jordan right. with dan's help in growing this other business uh so we turn it from a four franchisee business into a 26 franchisee business is the way we view it we might actually view it as more But for now, that's kind of what we're looking at. And I think this is something we can easily grow. Um, But yeah, I I really think like real estate is such a great market. And, um, you know, I I do like the idea of of buying and and being a landlord, I want to be the cool landlord. You know, I love it (laughs) Christmas every year, we email our tenants downtown and say, Hey, Merry Christmas, here's your Present, we're not raising the rent because in Vancouver, you know, there's these races every year, right? We don't do it. And I, I do you guys, do you, you know, do you have a pet? Yeah, we do. Great. I want you to be my tenant because nobody else wants pets. You uh-huh. know, so let me meet the dog. Let's have some fun. And and we try to do that. So as we look into this, one of our big things we're looking at now is our dream is in five to. six six years moving back to the sunshine coast where i'm from keeping an apartment downtown so we have access in the city right but for now is purchasing that land on the coast with a home on it and renting it for now to have that revenue stream come in and when the time is ready to have them move out and take out the house and rebuild and so you know that's why we're kind of confused of whether we want to do it on the coast which the market has raised so high right now due to covid because people are realizing we can work from home yeah and they leave the city sell their downtown 800 square foot apartment for 1.2 million, and buy a 4,000 square foot place with a massive ocean view for a million bucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you're seeing a lot of that. So we are looking at the Whistler market because again, the rental income is so massive. So for us, passive income is our that's our other business. It's got to be passive income, and having revenue and rental streams. And even when we bought our house. I don't like having people living in my house. We had a tenant. Passive income, and they paid for a lot of stuff. Now we no longer have that tenant. I'm, I'm currently just moving into the basement, so that's why I don't see hang- things hanging up, but normally it'll be better. Um, but we're doing that because that paid for my massive landscaping project starting next week. That'll last a month, Work it. you know? And that's, that's how we do it. We have ways of getting it, but that passive income is important. So for young people, get a financial planner. And even if you don't have the money, this is my biggest mistake I always made. I'd say to a financial planner, I'm going to come see you, but at the end of my year, because I, I don't have any money right now. Yeah, But don't do that. Go meet the financial planner now and make a goal of what money you want to put away. For sure. Have a plan with it, because if not, you have no goal to have money at the end of the year and you won't have that money. So if you go, I need 20 grand to put aside at the end of the year, you're going to make a point to do it because you're not going to not work if you need to make money to live. So you're going to push to pay rent. So you're going to push to pay your car bills or your gas, your insurance. So if you have a goal to have money set aside for specific uh, investments you're going to purchase, then that is something that you got to set when you don't have money to dream and to get to it. Absolutely. So don't wait, yeah. don't wait no. on it. And, and now I look at it and I'm able to go out, you know, we, we purchased our boat with cash. We purchased our cars with cash. We do not go and get loans on that. And I know there's, you know, an argument to be made to get a, you know, a, a zero interest loan or whatever, a one loan, whatever yeah. people want to do these days. But for me, my mindset, I don't want bills. Yeah. No. So my debt is my mortgages. We have a number of mortgages, and that's it. That's our debt. No,
2: no I think. Well, I think that's great, and I, I appreciate you sharing, and 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 again, sharing from you know failures and mistakes, and 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 errors that you had, and then here's what you're doing, and you got a powerful plan. And and one of the things I want our leaders listening to is is that when you've got integrity in your life. It's like, I'm doing this. It, it, it just builds on itself. It builds on itself. It builds on itself. And then, and then everything's working. And then again, as, 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 as Corey pointed to, when there's no integrity and I'm spending more than I'm earning, then all of a sudden, Hey, that impacts my ability to do my job. And, 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 you know, so, so it's just, you know, integrity is doing it the way it was meant to be done, you know? And so part of life is meant to be, I earn this much, I spend less. Like that's part of, that's part of life. And And, and, that bigger gap that I have, just the more, again, economic freedom I have. And then that that creates a mental freedom and emotional freedom. And I'm not worried about money. And if I need extra money, I can have some money and I can make good investments, et cetera. And then your life actually isn't about money. But when Corey's life yeah. was overspending, Corey's life was about money. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting how it, it, it inverts.
0: I have friends that say, I didn't fix my spending problem. I just, I don't spend more than I used to. I just earned more money. Yes. And, and, you know, to offset it, And I go, that's so true. But the thing is, I don't think about my income ever at the end of the year. Dan sends me, you know, this big spreadsheet says, here's what you made. I'm like, Oh wow. I did well this year. Yeah. But the thing is, I know I did well because I'm not focusing on, I'm focusing on my people and those numbers come.
2: One of the other things though, is, is I believe once you met that financial planner, if you're and because you, you got it, you said, I needed to change. This isn't working. And if your income hadn't grown as much as it w- would have grown, you still would have had a, a a good economic plan. Now, you wouldn't be as far ahead, but you would have had a good economic plan. And then because because if you see it as, oh, well, you start to earn more. No, 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 no. You started to be different. You started to behave yes. differently. Yes. And, and that actually was one of the levers that allowed you to earn more. Like, I really believe one of your weaknesses as a district manager was likely, hey, I'm spending too much and I'm just not fully present in all my conversations because, oh, shoot, I've got a bill I got to pay. And where's that money coming from? You know, that, that's what will happen.
0: I had to be the superficial guy. Yeah. I had to be the guy that looked like he was so successful and I'm a part of a successful business, but personally, I just wasn't. Yeah. And and I, I had to live up to this image that cost me so much later. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you you know, getting financial security, you, it's so funny how if you don't have that stress, how you're so much better at work and you make so much more money solely for the fact you just don't have that stress. You can focus on the task at hand. And and I think that's something a lot of young students need to, you know, they get so stressed about something that they're afraid to make decisions that'll cost some money. But you you have to, you got to break out of the norm. You know, you, you can't just go with the status quo. And, and hey, don't get me wrong. There are people that prefer that lifestyle. I think Rick Eastwood said it when he was at, uh, being interviewed on the on the um, leaders of tomorrow podcast with you. He said, you know, I believe maybe his mom or dad said it, but, you know, you can live in the poor house or the White House. Yeah. And some people like that. They want to become a firefighter and they get that good pension. Yeah. and good, yeah. You know, uh, they, they got all the health care and everything for their family. And that's great. That's an awesome life. You know, that's awesome. But it wasn't what I wanted. And to do what I wanted, I still have to have that financial security to be there. So I don't mean to take away from those that have more of that simplistic life, no. but if you want kind of to be more in this lifestyle, you, you got to, yeah, you got to think outside the box and you got to be willing to change and, and to accept failure yeah, big time and own it yeah, because we're not going to grow perfect.
2: Absolutely. No, for sure. For sure. And make those changes necessary. So, so. You know, if you think back, you know, as you went from a university student to now a really, uh, you know, huge value creator in the full-time world, what did you need to change about yourself, Corey?
0: There's so many. It's like when someone asks me, what are my strengths? I can't give them anything because I feel like there's so much things to improve and to learn. I think for me was emotional intelligence. I don't believe I'm still there. I think believe, like, And this goes for everything. It's not just coaching, but it could be sales. And it could be anything really understand where people are at in their lives. Stop being so judgmental and being open and willing to understand why people are there and connecting with them. And that made a big difference. Like when I look at being a franchisee and I really connected with my customers, that was one of my biggest strengths was connecting with them. But again, understanding their emotions and be willing to understand their beliefs. You don't have to agree with them, but understanding why they believe what they believe. And, you know, you don't have to agree with Trump supporters, but, you know, maybe understand why they feel that way. Maybe they're not that bad at people. Yes, there's a lot of them that are pretty bad too, but maybe there's, you know, there's something there. And I think that was a big thing for me was really understanding that. And that created a passion. Once I started to learn more about people, it created a passion for me to be in this business and grow. You know, I, I look at running a student works painting business as two things. One, we run a painting business, you know, we got to give a good service. We got to slop a gooey substance on a substrate on the other side, we're coaching and that's what we do. You know, right. this is our passion and our lives. So I think what student works has really brought to me was an, a, a way to open up my mind and understand other people you know, because you're put into a position where you have to deal with every type of person there is on this planet. You got to learn how to deal with the tough customer. You got to learn how to deal with the good ones. You got to learn how to deal with people who aren't in the same state of mind as you are, right. who have different beliefs um, than you are. And- and that really opened up a lot. And I really feel if you do a business like this and run something like this and expose yourself to different types of people, you're going to adapt and evolve as a person so much better than if you just took like a straight line job and, you know, had the same kind of communications with the same people every day. We really open up to the different types of people we work with. So I think for me, a big learning thing, emotional intelligence was big. And and I, I still... Um, I'll say it. I still suck at it. I want to be better. I want to grow from it. And, and, and I want to learn so much more about people. And, and I, I try to, if, if anyone has, has yet to read Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights, um, awesome book. And there's a great story of him in Africa and two guys are disagreeing. And he goes to side with a guy and that guy says, no, you know, don't side with me. It's not, I'm not right. It's who, it's not who's right or wrong. It's why they believe certain things. Mm-hmm. And and it really opened my eyes too to continue to believe in that. And it's amazing how I can get franchisees who aren't in business or have business like mine, or, you know those low B's and low A's, to go out and run an awesome business. Right. Because I understood that person, and I was able to get what I wanted out of them by learning so much about them.
2: Awesome, awesome. So, and what about what key habits would someone want to steal from you, Corey?
0: Organization. You can't. You're not going to be successful being organized. Okay. First things first. Wake up. Make your bed. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I see Zoom calls with people with their messy bed behind them. Ever seen a successful person with a messy house? Look at look at your backdrop. Mm -hmm. Right. Look at the way it's all set up and done. Start it. Be organized. And you got to have everything calendars. you got to have everything listed, what your jobs are, what you're doing for the day. Think and analyze every little thing of your steps of what you're doing. I'm not going and doing an estimate today. I'm going to go sell a service to somebody that they need. So right. what is it that they need? I'm not going and doing an exterior estimate. You know, give me a break with that. Right. I'm going to go refresh someone's exterior because they desperately want that. So I think good habits, guys, be organized in everything that you do. Schedule and lay everything out. Don't run by the seat of your pants. You know, think things through and be analytical in certain things. You know, every question you ask, analyze what that response is. Don't just ask the question to be there. So definitely organization. And, and another one is uh, a passion. If you're not passionate, it's going to be hard to do this. You don't have to be passionate about running a painting business, but be passionate about running a business. Be proud of what you're doing. I see we have this one thing in, in BC. So there's U- University of British Columbia, as you know, one of the bigger schools. It is yeah. the biggest school in Western Canada, one of the bigger ones in the country and one of the top ones. They have another sub school in Kelowna called UBC Okanagan. And I see these kids go to UBC and they post, I graduated from UBC. No, be proud of the school you go to. Be proud of where you are. So you may not be like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to run a painting business for the rest of your life, but you run a business. So be proud of the business that you're running. Be passionate about what you're doing. And when you show that passion, your sales go up. Your job availabilities, your hireability when you or, or even you go in a business and people wanting to loan or invest in you will all go through the roof if you have passion for what you're doing. You know, sure. and when you show that excitement, like I go and tell people about it. And, and I have a skills coach for hockey and I was telling him about student work, so He goes, I wish I did this when I was, you know, your age. I wish I went and did this when I went to university, right? Because I showed so much passion. But when we first talked about it, he goes, yeah, I I actually, he was on a hockey scholarship. He played at um, Thunder Bay, whatever the school is there. And he said, I remember being passed around, right? So you guys obviously went across, but he thought, like a lot of us do, skim, right? And he goes, but the passion you showed me, oh my God. So, you know, be passionate in what you're doing. Put everything you have into it. Don't half-ass it, you know, and don't say, well, I have other things in my life. We all have other things in my life. You have a wife and three kids, three, correct, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got a wife and soon to be two. And I have passions. I love boating. I love hockey. I love sports. I I love exercise. I run, I I do stuff, but I find a way to do it because I'm organized. Mm -hmm. So organization, passion, that you will become an awesome entrepreneur or anything that you want to do in your life. If you have organization and passion.
1: Awesome. And for the love
0: of God, guys, make your bed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So the final question, Corey, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind?
0: I think of a true entrepreneur, a leader of tomorrow is someone always trying to create work for more people. And I'm not saying like put more work on their plate. I'm saying create more opportunities for people. So we go back. We mentioned Brian Scudamore before. This isn't a guy who started a junk removal business. This is a guy who's starting franchises and, and providing jobs and stuff. And he truly is that leader because people aren't just buying one of his franchises. He now has three.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's that constant entrepreneur of making things better and building the next business and providing people with more opportunities. So to me, a leader of tomorrow is somebody that has the ability to provide more opportunities to those that may not have that ability. It's their civic duty to go out and be passionate to do it. So a leader of tomorrow really truly is somebody that's looking out to build more for the community and whether that's provide more jobs. You know, and then I, I know Brian had mentioned being like philanthropists is to get more yeah. money and writing and stuff. So I love that his aspect with with Shack finding single mothers that just yeah. don't have the money but have the will to go and run a business. You know, just stuff like that. That's what a leader is. They are going out and providing those who can't be a leader work, providing them with a way of life, a career path. That's what a leader is, in my mind.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, Corey, I'm uh, t- totally, totally all of our, our, our leaders here would get just how passionate you are uh, for, for your business and for your team. And, and I, I so appreciate, you know, again, really for, you know, since Andrew went out in, in 91, we've been working together and and we just continue to work for, together as Dan and, and Corey and now Jordan and y- y- yourself. Just, you know, we so appreciate, again, all the amazing things that we share. And uh, thanks so much for spending time with us on the Leaders of Tomorrow.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks, Chris. I've listened to a lot of episodes and I'm super stoked to be a part of it and, and honored as well.
2: Awesome. Hey, you have a fantastic day. Thanks so much, my friend. Thanks, dude. Cheers.